Hello and welcome to YouTube's favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. want to remind everybody that we do have a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon now. There are three different levels that will get you access to our videos first to give you a leg up on the Kayfabe effect. And if you choose the King Kayfaber level, you get access to all the videos early, as well as the recording session, where you can really get out ahead of the Kayfabe effect. But you can also sit in on these recording sessions and uh, contribute to the conversation that we're having. We appreciate that. So check it out. See what level fits you best. I also want to remind everybody of Cartoonist Kayfabe Comic Book Christmas in July. The last Saturday in July, we're asking our audience to pull out some of their comics, doubles, comps, uh, just books that they think are great introductions to comics and insert them into your local lending library. Uh, we have a lot of those around the country and we did it last year. Take pictures of those little local lending libraries with the comics shining through the windows. Those things are uh, very photogenic. We saw thousands of pictures on social media last year. We want to do even better this year. Let's try to grow some new comic book readers by putting some good comics out there where we know readers are looking. So today we are going to look at one of my favorite books. Dean Mullaney has been reprinting comics and comic strip art for a long time. This is Kniff, a visual biography. Milton Kniff, one of the most influential, most widely read comic book or cartoonists in history. Uh, not comic books per se, but comic strips. And this is an amazing book. Anybody that is unfamiliar with this one, it really is a biography. Mulaney's good at putting together these books of, you know, overviews and histories of everyone. A lot of this stuff is coming out of the Billy Ireland, and it is just a fantastic way to get introduced to Milk Kniff's work. It's a big body of work. This is a monograph, and we're going to kind of go through it quickly as a result because there's so much here to cover. Yes. We Starting with a foreword by Lucy Shelton Caswell, who was the founder of the Billy Ireland, uh, the great comics museum at Ohio State. Worth mentioning because Billy Ireland was a guy who Kniff worked under. So, you know, his mentor gets a library named after it. Kniff's support of that library certainly helped that library grow and continue into one of the great comic destinations on Earth. Yeah, I mean, it pretty much was the Milk Kniff archive to start, you know? Like, this guy has been making comic strips from... First published work, 1920, out of Dayton News. There it is, man. So, like, if Terry and the Pirates is the first, like, I think it's 1931, to about 1988, every single day, uh, like, from, from that whole period, that's a lot of pages. Yeah, and sometimes twice a day, because there are multiple strips that he would run uh, in some places and not others. During World War II, he did a couple of years of a second daily strip with Mel Call. So I'm doing a daily myself, dude, and I'm really deep down that rabbit hole reading a lot of these books and things. Uh, uh, you know, the, all the great collections have good front and back matter. Pittsburgh. That's fine. A Boy, Boy Scout piece that he supported. He was a Boy Scout. Boy Scout comics he did as a very, very young man. That's so dope. So uh, I want to ask you, man, like, because, like, the comic strip guys are just, they're more sophisticated. Like, like the comic book people were the proletarians, man. Like, it was it was just regular-ass folk, and, and they were churning out pages to just pay for the, the their utilities and shit like that. But I've been discovering that the comic strip guys are, like, waspy, like, rich kids and shit. They, uh, they all got to go to college, and, like, that's the dividing line, right? Because, like, Great Depression, all of that stuff, like, none of, not, none of my four grandparents finished high school because they had to like go off and work. And uh, do you know about like his, his upbringing? Is, is he a little rich kid? Not a rich kid, had to work his way through college. 
And uh, that was a Billy Ireland was instrumental in that. I see. You know, he, he was working a lot. He had stuff that he was doing for Ohio State. Um, he was interested in theater, so he's doing advertising for a theater. Yeah. He was performing in theater, but he was also doing commercial art and working for the uh, actual newspaper under Billy Ireland. Yeah, man. And in the Ohio State Phoenix, this is where Jeff Smith's thorn would be serialized. What a legacy. Four, four decades later. Yeah, incredible. This is uh, this is kind of funny, the sundial. This is uh, him reflecting on uh, his experience. And former Sundial artist reviews his college memories. It's all just beautiful women <laughs> surrounding him at his drawing table. Like, what's this? What's, is Sundial a, a... I think that was a college, um, the Campus Humor magazine. I see. So in addition to, like, the school newspaper, you know, he is working a lot. And some of it for money out of necessity. 1927 oil painting. This, this book is so fantastic because uh, I think Caswell in the intro talks about how She's a pack rat, and his wife was a pack rat, and so we benefit from that because all of this stuff exists, and it's on record. Like, you can go there and check this stuff out in person, most of the work that's in this book. Yeah. What you need are the historians who are willing to compile it and put it together, uh, like Dean Mullaney. You know, like Jeet here, who we hear from quite a bit on the comics history stuff and, and does his own digging in various schools. It's fascinating what's out there and what we have a record of. Um, whenever he first goes to... I believe it's New York um, because he goes a couple of times before he's there full time. His wife, called her Bunny, would send home almost daily correspondence in the form of comic strips. That's like he's fun. writing letters. This is those letters. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Like it's it just speaks to the compulsion and just working on a daily strip. I see how it works. Like I see the mania of it because it's literally Sisyphus. Like. It's this never-ending thing that you're going to be doing forever. And like, if you're doing well at a strip, you'll be doing it forever. So there's never an end to it. And you get to just indulge in compulsive comic making. And for certain of us, myself included, that is a fun place to be. This was his tryout uh, attempt to get hired at the uh, Dispatch, the Columbus newspaper. And that is Billy Ireland that he's writing to. And Billy Ireland was like, you got to wow us with your application. So makes this whole comic strip as, uh, you know, kind of a promo of himself and, you know, optimistic here at the end that he's impressing Billy Ireland. But he did. He got the job working nights on the newspaper to pay pay for college. I love it because this is that, like, Landon school of cartooning, which is indicative of, like, the oldest of, like, Disney animations and stuff. It's hard to explain exactly what that stuff looked like, but, like, hands would be a circle template with, like, little sausages coming out. The cartoony face was, like, a distilled-down version of, like, the cartoony stuff in uh, in in the comic strips. And this kind of bold lettering is very indicative. Very, like, um Art Deco-style hand lettering. That'd be right. Because he's there from uh, 1925 to the early 1930s. Like, the Depression cutbacks are what lead to him losing that job. And, uh, man, this book is really great in that all these, ca everything is annotated. So, you know, you can follow along with any of this stuff. But you see, like, when he's working on the newspaper, by the way, hand lettering. Yeah. Hand lettering, man. This stuff, I had to stare at it and be like, damn, you know, because you see the little bits of white out that they would do for edges. You'll still see Chris Ware do that Absolutely. sometimes. Absolutely. You know, give that sharp edge to those lines. Um, but what it prepares him for is working with different materials and just like whatever is needed. You know, that's essentially what his job was at this newspaper. So you would get advertising, you would get movie reviews, caricatures, just everything. 
and pretty good training for a young artist who wants to work in newspapers. So at uh, the Billy Ireland, I, of course, I pulled a lot of Kniff while I, while I was there. Like I did a residency out there, man, and it was a three-week residency, and I put seven of those days. I put 33% of my time at Billy Ireland from opening till close and stuff like this. So this blue wash, this would be an indicator to, um, cause this would be on like some Terry and the Pirates and things. This would be an indicator to the printer engraver to put like a gray tone. So it's almost like they do the zip, but it's not as, it's not really a zip, but it is gray that is dots. It's a different kind of, mm -hmm. the, it, think, think of the margins of like Cracked or Mad Magazine where it's like that smooth gray, where it's clearly not like right just dots that you apply that way. There's some other process to denote that. And I think that's what this is. But uh, the Noel Sickles work would have this kind of shit also. And he's another Ohio, like those guys. Oh yeah, these guys, they shared offices and uh, some some work and, and all this stuff. How fun are these things, like seeing him do kind of pop culture, you know, Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll. And like I said, early on, he was into the Kokyo. Uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was into uh, theater. That was his other passion. And Billy Ireland said, you know, actors don't always eat. Stick to the art. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's uh, it it is because I feel like my how things have changed, but uh, probably acting still not a very solid, dependable profession. The format of these strips is interesting, like a real Rube Goldberg or um, Ripley's Believe It or Not, which started as a strip, kind of formatted in the same way. It's amazing when you see these because like they're not necessarily appearing on the comics page. You yeah. know, like these comics might appear in different sections of the newspaper even. Yeah, just like little ads for for stuff. But uh, you do get to see like some of his early you know, he'll, he'll get to do a strip regularly, you know, something like escape, escape from the pen was one of the early strips that he got to do. They, so he's working towards yeah. the comic strip, and but you take what you can get in the beginning. And it's dope. Cause even, um, when Terry and the Pirates starts, it's about at that level. So I hope they have like, you know, the first Sunday in here or something. Look at how impressive this is for a comic strip like this. He's breaking borders down. He's doing like long shots, different angles. It's amazing. They talk about like whenever the first sound movies came out, you know, yeah. it's about whenever he's getting active in this stuff. By the way, here's a Billy Ireland sample of a of a comic that Billy Ireland did for throughout his life. But to give you again, like the rigor of that Midwest style and what Kniff is learning under. I mean, this is another one where you start looking at it and breaking it down and unbelievable. This is what you're putting on a page. Jimmy, I'm embarrassed that I never even thought to look at Billy Ireland's work or stu study that cartoonist at all. But what I was saying is like once once, you know, a little bit of cinema enters, yeah. a lot of filmmakers credit Kniff with coming up with a lot of their camera setups. That's and things. that's fascinating, man, because like you could clearly see like once the talkies are a thing, this is comic strip art changes travel journals. So like London, Japan, once he starts traveling, he keeps these kinds of records and drawings. Just phenomenal, man. You're like he, the guy drawing all the time, right? Totally. And, and and I think you have to have that sword sharpened to like be at that level. But like, look at even the lettering, man. You know, you know, in a travel journal, he's not Ames guiding it. So yeah. like, his hand is steady as fuck, just naturally. Yeah, totally. And you know, kind of that classic kind of cartooning. You know, something that you would see in Mad Magazine, and we would get all excited over. You know, Kurtzman just loading up like gags, or Will Elder loading up these pages. Can Kniff can, can do, do everything. Yeah, you could do it too. All right, man, here we go. No sickles. You mentioned him. Uh, one of one of the guys that really stands out to me from this era, and they worked in the same studios together for, for several years. Uh, I can't remember which one went to New York first, but they worked together in the newspapers there. 
a lot of history together and a lot of influence I think on each other when they're when they're getting into their early days of comic strip making these are fantastic like spot illustrations that they're doing from the Associated Press uh, this is the same deal you know like an editor or publisher is going to need a, a piece and it was just like send it into the bullpen there man incredible artist like these guys from that associated press bullpen would be called up to to like ghost strips for artists for various reasons like they were just jacks of all trade and you can see it as you flip through here just the variety of styles fashion is something that he's credited with dresses actually made up after his designs That's and some right. of the illustrations and i think we'll see photos of some of that stuff later on gotta love this roughs that he submitted i don't think any of these were purchased but you can see even on top of like a full workload, he's still constantly churning out material, trying yeah. to get to that next that next level. That's what you got to do, man. There's always somebody working harder than you. How much Will Eisner is in this image? Right? I would be shocked. Like, like I mean, it's it's Eisner. Yeah, incredible. Absolutely. But all kinds of variety of stuff. Attention to light, which we would see characterize his work. One of the giant influences of his, I think, is that attention to light sources. Man, and just these giant brush strokes, which again, we're going to see, you know, like you're really starting to see some of his motifs emerging here. Yeah. But something like that, how bold is that? Just a quick ink sketch, gigantic thick brush, putting it down, you know, getting these ideas together. I'm trying to decide if, if uh, Gandhi is a good guy or bad guy in his, <laughs> in his strip. Pretty wild. And opportunities coming up to do fill-ins, you know, and to do like any kind of strips that come up. These, I believe, are advertising work that, uh, well, I guess this is a team up with um, Bill Dwyer, but Noel Sickles and Kniff would do advertising strips as well. Because again, you know, you're a young man trying to make your living. This is Noel Sickles. Oh, uh, that's cool. This is the early Scorchy Smith. And I thought how good these work as a series. You know, like you're doing these as daily strips, but at the same time, you know, you can almost see like this is the lead into the story. And a lot of these, you know, it's a direct continuation, like from the last panel to the first panel. Yeah. And strange angles. You know, Sickles is a guy for people at home that uh, big influence on Alex Toth. And I think you can see it with some of these very adventurous, man, that overhead angle. Yeah. You're making that up at that time. Right. Man, I love these blow-ups too of the original arts. This was one of the strips that he got to do, single panels, but uh, a daily. <laughs> we should do a modern day uh, parody of this. What's the strip called? The Gay 30s. Exactly. <laughs> like, just in time for 2030. Bring that back. <laughs> but we could add some stuff to it. It's pretty neat to see him doing the line work. Yeah. You know, known for his heavy uh, spotting of blacks and brush inking, but also deft at the tools of the time. And and here we go already. You can see like the Joe Schuster type energy that that uh, they would swipe for uh, his stuff. Yeah, Dickie Dare is something I don't I, I forget about that. Yeah, his first go in yeah. a, a comic strip. This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. You can join at three different levels, get early access to our videos to offset the kayfabe effect, and at the King Kayfaber level, you get access to all of our videos early and the recording session live. It is also brought to you by the books that we make. My latest self-published book, True Crime Funnies, is now available on my website, jimrug.com. 
I am actually having a summer sale offering up some of my past comics that have been unavailable online, including my Blacklight comic, Octobriana 1976, my Wrestling Zine, a collection of wrestling art and covers that I have done over the years, as well as uh, screen prints and out-of-print zines and mini-comics like Rambo 3.5, While Supplies Last. Ed Piscor's upcoming books include the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus. You see the cover proof here. This is going to be a beautiful book. Over 500 pages, including 140 extra pages, plus all of the Hip Hop Family Tree strips. This will be in time for the holidays this year, and it'll be the book of the holidays. There's also an upcoming X-Men Grand Design trilogy collection. All three volumes of X-Men Grand Design coming out later this year from Marvel in one handy volume. These have gone in and out of print, so if you need X-Men Grand Design in your life, and you do, that is the easiest way to pick that one up. Pre-order it now. And Red Room Crypto Killers, number one, this is the start of the third and final season of Red Room. These are coming out now monthly, so get those on your pull list. Let your comic shop know that you want to subscribe to Crypto Killers. And issue number three, which is coming out next, has a backup featuring a new set of characters that Ed will be working on for the foreseeable future. So could be a uh, great rock key to add to your collection. And now back to our video. This is the material. This would go to like the editorial departments of, of newspapers and stuff as like a promo piece. Like, hey, you're going to want to subscribe to, to uh, the Dickie Dare strip. And a version of this might even be like the placeholder for some days ahead of time before the strip actually shows up. It'll be like, it'll show something like this and be like, in two days, Dickie Dare begins and kind of like get you excited a little bit. Yeah, the, the concept is Dickie Dare, young reader with a great imagination, imagines himself in these like classic bits of literature, adventure strips. And uh, it runs for a little while. I think it runs for maybe a couple of years. Fantastic. Um, That's amazing. Man. But he would do... Uh, think about the concept of that, like in terms of story engine, because it's infinite. Yeah, for sure. Let's do a Jack and a Beanstalk one. Let's do We're the Worlds. And you do start to see like the heavy blacks showing up here. Um, but speaking of that promo art, There's throughout promo his piece. career, he would do new promo art. Whenever it was time for promo pieces, he felt that that would give it a little more juice if it was an original drawing as opposed to like reprinting something out of the strip. True professional. Yeah, and a guy who was doing this when he was super busy and still felt there was value in like, I want them to know this announcement's important. Yeah. Important enough for me to put some new art on it. Now, he he worked his ass off, no yeah. doubt. But but uh, he he had a system, you know, like the best of comic strip artists, they, they had their, their studios. And there's some crazy dudes that came through his studio, like fucking Norman Rockwell's kid and stuff. First six, uh, tearing the pirates. Yeah, and you can see it's it's that early area, a lot of penmanship. This is the first Sunday, very famous yep. one. It's almost Hergé. Yeah, one of the things they said uh, that he that he departed from his editor was when it came to coloring. He was working with these engravers that were just masters. And he said he would challenge them with the color. You yeah. know, whether it was cool sunsets, you know, the, there's lighting up the sky, stuff like that. That's what you do. So, like, whenever I uh, had my Japanese hip-hop family tree deal, and you see the first book, and they're using Japanese characters for uh, sound effects. So that comes back when the first book's out. And I see that, and I'm like, this looks fucking insane. This is so dope. A lot of sound effects in future editions. That's man. pretty Cause, cool. Because I'm just like, I just wanted to see what the Japanese guys do. A Howard Shaken quote here, talking about uh, Burma. That's This is from uh, probably from his uh, introduction to the Terry and the Pirates yeah. collection number one. That's right. Yeah. 
already we're so quick man we got the uh, we got the lighting we got the shadow that that like he's he's got these textures that he can build just by daubing and these are the vestiges you see this in superhero comics absolutely some of the names we can name just like off the bat uh on the latest like um alex toth art stuff on instagram you can see toth like fully inspired by uh kniff's work it goes all the way up to charles burns that's true and i mean kirby cites kniff you know like like yeah of course really the dna of what what we look at today like the stuff that's really lasted a, a lot of it comes back to Kniff in terms of the the graphic giant brush strokes yeah beautiful really ballsy yeah such a nice piece for this and you know you mentioned like right away you can see his his style coming through think of how many years we looked at work leading up to that you know that first published piece i think was 1920 so this is a guy who's working a lot between then and the debut of this strip it's the move man and it's you're fired out of a gun i recommend it everybody man make daily comics and put them on instagram yeah you can see some of the coloring there it is dude like like uh, so sharp and you know like the real engravers like that like the real art artisans who have like you know fingers missing on their hands and shit <laughs> like they see that and they're like, okay, I see what you're doing, Milt. I'm gonna fuck you up on this one, and and, and like and like really go to town. Yeah, I mean it's stunning. Look at the extreme close up in that on that panel. <laughs> That's a flyer. He he was he was taking a lady out on a date on on when he was working on that strip. You can see him using his assistant, dressing him up for reference, and the secretary here answering mail. So, yeah, so much of that. Like, there's a lot of great, and you know, it's all kayfabe photos and stuff where he's setting up some chick to look like the dragon lady, and and at a certain point. These comic strip guys were making such a bank that they were hiring legit Hollywood actresses to be in their studio to like dress the part just to stand there. Yeah. You know, they probably lived in that Connecticut house. There's quite a few photos in here as we go. (laughs) Um, Look at these backgrounds, how incredible these backgrounds are. That's a thing, man. Like you, you would get that level of background almost every strip too. Like no shorts. Specialty drawing for the newspaper Guild of New York's war relief effort, 1942. Almost all of this promo art is specialty art. Sure. You know, it's created right for these promos. I, I love his Dragon Lady chick, yeah. man. And and just like setting up the That's K-Fame exactly shots. Right. Yep. Is that Boindage? <laughs> <laughs> now I got to look for Boindage, Ed. A <laughs> <laughs> little Terry, man. When he was before pre-war, a lot of Boindage. They talk about whenever they sync up the Sunday strips with the dailies. Right, yeah, you know, that was to, a thing. To tell continuing stories. Was, didn't start that way. Not at all. None of them. It comes up. None of them. Watercolors for Christmas cards. It's such a great collection of material. And what a beautiful book. You know, yeah. like by having all these different sources of what we're looking at, it really creates an interesting monograph. I want it for everything. You know, I want it for everything because there's so much, so much like that is lost to history. Like Terry and the Pirates is a and maybe it's still going on like it is a long enduring strip and to us it's not it's kind of nothing like in our in our lifetimes and shit uh my dad knew terry and the pirates but there were like the tv serials but it obviously must have made a lot of money yeah so like 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 how was that even possible that it made uh a, a lot of cash like what kind of toys what kind of like all that extra ephemera i'm curious about i love i love seeing texture and in, in color and paint these Kniff design dresses were sold at Saks Fifth Avenue. Amazing. So now he's a fashion guy. It's it's really wild. Like the color on this stuff, it almost looks photo photographic yeah, in yeah. some places. Totally. And you look close and it's just watercolor. 
exhibition of, of art in a gallery in New York. So, you know, early getting the uh, comic art up on the wall. Yeah, I love that, man. And, and it looks like, you know, like he got he got his stuff back. You know, it wasn't ballast or used as um, insulation at the syndicate. They do a nice job here, too, of like the watercolor mock-up. Because yeah, we've yeah, seen the, like the reproductions of the printed pages. Color guides. Yes. You send that to the engraver. That's that's what we were talking about earlier. Like you send this to them, and now they have to figure out how See to get what they that can do. in dots. Yep. With with zipatones and fucking around on the um, plates and stuff. Uh, character studies as well as pencil drawings. It's a great book for all of this. So surprising that he would have any time to do that. Look at that, dude. You got your poppy red. Slide it into the color. Feels like that's the you know the indicator of what's important. You okay, know, putting so, a lot of emphasis on that Sunday page. So this is the stuff that I was talking about. Where the, this would be a gray. So check these two out. Same strip. This panel was apparently uh, had to be redrawn. Editorial wanted it redrawn. He redraws the whole strip from memory because apparently this was sent off, mm -hmm. and you know got to turn it around. So you'll see like minor variations. And look at this guy's head stuck up in the black with his black hair and a white outline yeah, not ideal fix let's it. fix that that's that's a that's a dream right because like you're working on this and you're like okay if i ever have to do this again i'll make sure to like put the background back there through whatever circumstance was required like he was able to to fix that P push out on that a little bit yeah that's amazing and i bet you like the editorial thing is like milt what are you doing this ain't gonna print like i think it's as simple as that Kniff interview after one of those characters is killed. It's such a big deal. He has to go on the radio to justify why he was a murderer. Right. <laughs> Imagine having that kind of an impact. I love it. Mm. Famous piece. Famous piece. These little headshots. Yeah, and extremely patriotic. Man, look at this for coloring. <laughs> it's so bold. He does blur the line between patriotism and jingoism. And as time goes on with like Steve Canyon, uh, Steve Canyon comes out and we're now into like the hippie era at a certain point. Cause he did Steve Canyon for 20 years before uh, Vietnam. Yeah. And he was very much like a Nixon Republican guy. And it was creating a lot of fr friction with, uh, with the audience because he was very much like, yeah, Vietnam, fuck yeah. Um, but that wasn't, you know, the way things were really ha going this down. This is one of those famous strips, and yeah. this was read into con congressional record the following day. Once again, like, imagine that. You know, imagine a comic having that kind of an impact today. Totally. Uh, couldn't, could not join up, um, you know, for health issues. Tried to enlist in World War II and was uh, rejected. I forget what that code is yeah but uh not up to health standards so trying to figure out you know what could he do and starts doing the uh the mail call as a gi strip essentially as a way to contribute, contribute. something you know yeah. keep keep up morale and uh mail call has been reprinted and i believe that was an eclipse collection so dean mulaney who's putting this book together publisher of eclipse back in the uh in the 80s we gotta have was, him uh, on, reprinting this stuff and you know you can see these are the mail call strips here some of them i mean i think it ran like Two years, maybe. And it's male, M-A-L-E. Right. So it's got some sexiness. And some of it gets rejected. <laughs> this one has just a no from the approval board. That was too much. That's a funny thing, too, because it's like <laughs> we're going, we're sending these 18-year-old boys off to go kill people, but you can't look at some some titty drawings. Yeah. It's real dumb. 
I love seeing this stuff too, like the artwork blown up on a wall. Like you see these dudes, this must be eight or ten feet tall. Yeah. Wall murals of this Lasciviously art. looking at her, by the way, man. They had bedroom eyes, those, all those dudes. Yeah, of course. What is this? This is a Navy insignia. So he designed a bunch of stuff. Like he would get requests from armed forces. You know how they would have like their 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 platoons and things would have their own kind of insignias designed a bunch of them so you're going to see some as we flip flip through that one was a winner for sure yeah absolutely but you know a guy who's really um putting his time where his mouth is and trying to be trying to contribute in whatever way he can how about that for mock-up yeah man And you see him breaking, like, not just doing his comic strip art as, as we go through this stuff. Yeah, he had a whole system. And I think, like, with these guys, man, I, I, I just think that, like, once you get into that groove, you live there. And you got to create a system of living where everybody's okay with that. Like, like Miss Kniff was a great help, I'm sure. Like, like she, she knew the score and was like, okay, man, like, like uh, I just know you're going to be busy for 15 hours a day. An armed forces strip. And we still ain't even at Steve Canyon. That's just right here. And and what Steve Canyon is, you know, he leaves Terry and the Pirates. It's an ownership issue. Yep, wants a better stake in the property. T Terry and the Pirates owned by the syndicate. George Wonder immediately picks that up. And uh, Steve Canyon, he, ha he has ownership in that property. And it goes, like, what's the year on some of the early ones? Because it, it... 47. I'm going to look right now. Like, I, I think it, it quits with him. But I think it goes to about 88 or something. Yeah. Yeah, and quick turnarounds. You know, like whenever he leaves Terry and the Pirates, can't work on Steve Canyon while he's under contract. Can't even do sketches because that would be owned by, you right. know, considered owned by the syndicate. So once his contract runs out, it's like, get this together. How to have it all in his head, as he says. Right. You know. Uh, and that's a kayfabe, obviously, because you can't admit that, uh, that you're working on it. Um, so starts January 13th, 47. Ends June 4th, 88. So we're looking at almost 40 years of his secondary strip. Yes. The thing that he's known for a second most. But man, if you're going to launch it, how about a Time Magazine and a Newsweek cover? Big dude. Yeah. Big promo. <laughs> Here you go, man. Yeah, dude, getting those actress ladies. Get and, you some eye candy. And in, look, at in that front of that look at that smile on his face. <laughs> look at that giant drawing. <laughs> I love this. With the whiteout around there, I yeah. think that's a really striking image. Maybe simple for him, but man, it looks great. These little Gabby Hayes guys that are adorning the uh, Steve Canyon cast. Yeah, creating model sheets for this, photo references along the way. I'm surprised any Asian lady would work with them, man. The shit that he put down in those strips. Much bolder line. This this is how wild that is for a drawing. This absolutely. is where you start to see like a Charles Burns or somebody totally. responding to some of this stuff. Because this would be considered loose mm -hmm. for for Kniff when he starts to get into three panel strips. Yeah, for sure. And look at how he's doing white on top of those black lines. So this is the this is the fascinating thing. He ain't doing that. Like he's probably inking the characters and he's got a full setup. So it's crazy, dudes. Like. It might be Wayne Boring from Superman comics. Uh, we we know that that um, uh, Dick Rockwell, which sounds like a sentence also or something, my uh, uh, acting star. Absolutely, totally. Uh, was had a big hand, no pun intended, in uh, <laughs> the late period Steve Canyon strips. 
So uh, this is a story about how gained a reputation during World War II of predicting upcoming actual military offenses. This is in Terry and the Pirates. To the point that um, officials came and visited him right. to figure out what was going on. And it turns out he's just really doing his homework on it. But man, what a wild story. Like, imagine being somewhat investigated because, like, what you're doing in your comic is kind of accurate to what's coming up in the war effort. Makes you wonder if those guys come visit, like, hey, you're so patriotic, right? Like, how about, you know, you you toss a flyer in, into the mixture, man? We know that comics is propaganda is a thing. And look, man, you could try Steve Cannon in four simple steps. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> But uh, Kniff and Canyon story. So it's biography of uh, Kniff, but also in conjunction with what he's doing professionally. What's the year in this stuff? 57. 57. Okay, like in the 80s. Shouts to probably Darren Maurer sent us big boxes of shit, including comics reviews. And there are some late period 1980s Steve Canyon strip reprints in there. And there are sections where it's Steve Canyon reminiscing, but it is totally Milk Kniff doing auto-bio using the Steve Canyon strip as a cipher, talking about his musical pop culture influences radio books at the time it is great like it is That's awesome it is really freaking cool i think i think you might have a copy of it also in the steve canyons the checker ones that exist you see you notice this stuff right here we where he draws an extra quarter inch half inch outside of the um gutters and shit depending on the paper size so that's a fascinating piece yeah it reminds me this this era of like uh european certain european artists there's a looseness to this stuff where it's like the blacks are so bold you know you get your heavy lines you get the spotted blacks but it's still very much almost gesture yeah if you start looking at this stuff closely kind of amazing man to work as long as he does you know, 20, 1920 first published work until, you know, he, basically the end of his Six, life. 65 years. Yeah, 65 years. years. Like, you're going to have these various peaks and almost like multiple mature periods. Totally. Like, it's a lot of work, man. It's, it's it's you know, every every single, like, there's a document of every single day of his existence on paper. And and that's that's kind of what I'm shooting for with, with my own daily stuff, you know, like, dude. How bold is this for your composition? I, dude, I... I'm telling you, I'm, I'm in these dudes' heads, right? And, like, he had to putty his fucking bathroom that day. So, like, so like <laughs> you just gotta, you gotta get it done, but you gotta kind of, like, economically figure that out. It's great, though, whenever you see, like, something inventive. Totally. Especially this many years in, you know, yeah. like, it's a guy still, still, uh, the wheels are turning. I love it. You can see it on the pages. I love it. It makes me so happy. I'm so glad we're looking at this. Like, look at that. I like, oh man, I hope Miss Jane Mansfield. There it is. A <laughs> listers coming through the studio. Yeah. Just amazing. Still doing model sheets. Yeah, it's an incredible body of work, and it's one of those standout comic books. You know, there was a big Kniff biography published. I think maybe a little bit before this book came out. Um, and big, like 900 pages, like a, like a hefty volume biography. But I mean, like, there's so much information contained here, and it's put together so well in this chronological order that you're basically walking through his life, but just doing it through examples of the artwork. And let's face it, we're visual dudes, you know? We're, we're, we're artists. So, like, this, this uh, says, picture speaks a thousand words. It's so great to see the pencils, too. And yeah. look at how much ink he's not putting down. Totally. You know, like the pencil here, there's a lot of spotted blacks, and that's not, not making it to the final uh, final page. Yeah, it's very... Talk about gestural. 
and you can see those newspaper roots you know the layouts that he was doing whenever he was part of the dispatch and just kind of the night staff so did he draw these shits all these badges are, are from him this yeah must be a few of the insignia of outfits oh yeah i don't know if those are all by him or not yeah it's fair no no sweat so it may have just been promo of uh, the insignias, you know, yeah. keep the morale up. Love these kind of images too. Yeah, like he's good at that. The big watercolor he's crowds. Good at that. It's, it's usually the covers of those Terry and the Pirates. You will see those things reprinted. He continues then, to do stuff outside of of a daily strip, a very demanding daily strip. You know, like there's a little extra pep in the step of people who went through that Great Depression, and it sticks with you. You know, po poverty is a motivator and, and uh, living through that Great Depression and prospering during that Great Depression, because it looked like he was working in the 20s, uh, you, you're going to keep going. Is that Walter Cronkite? Yeah, for Walter. Good eye. That's amazing. Yeah, so he's got a good audience, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There goes Miss Kniff. Aviation Hall of Fame portraits. See, this kind of stuff, it's such a weird image. It reminds me of like, this is a bygone era of illustration yeah. where like you would get illustrators, but the technique was almost photo, you know, almost passed as a photo or something, right. you know, from, from a distance. A lot of, and it makes sense that Shaken would do that, that uh, intro because he showed us uh, when we were off camera, a bunch of, or, or he dropped a lot of names that like when you research them, it's that level of illustration that, that shaking is down with. Look at this man, guy on the moon. Oh, you so can he... see like little watercolor pieces, you know, putting that art together. So Kniff believes in that then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. 1977, this was a Bruce Lee strip that he and Noel Sickles work on together. Somehow it doesn't go, which is shocking, yeah. but it's still like wild. Those guys come together all those years later. So to, that's to your kayfabe name. There you go. Paul Arthur. That's fun. That's just like how Joe Matt's uh, Seth plus Chester Brown equals uh, Joe Matt. Yeah. That's we'll propagate right. That that's myth. right. <laughs> <laughs> so simple, man. Just a master of black and white. And you know what? You saw those had the tricorner hat. Uh, maybe that image was in here somewhere, but in his studio up uh, on a bookshelf. It's like every single helmet from every army in like World War II, and then there would be like tricorn hats and and uh, just physical reference was very important to those guys. Like like when you jump in and say, okay, I'm gonna do Terry and the Pirates, and it's gonna be set like this. Now at every antique store you go to and everywhere you go, you're just accumulating that reference because it's a little bit daunting to go to the reference library of, you know, so-and-so Connecticut or something every two days or something. Yeah, like right. You, you got you to do that work yourself. He really looked like Martin Landau as um, Bela Lugosi in his, in his uh, final days. Karloff? Sidekick? Fuck you! Dick Rockwell. There he is, man. <laughs> Sheldorf. Yeah, amazing. Great book. Kirby, right? Big there time. it is. There it is right there. Yeah, big time. Wow. Because, like, look, that's 4748. Kirby was in the game, but he was never drawing Kirby hands. Wow, that's wild. That's so exactly that giant Kirby fist that we've all, uh, all recognized. Yeah, man. So, the Great American Comics. This is the IDW published line that Mulaney, I guess, oversees, editor, whatever it would be. These are some great books. This is one of those things that, like, 
we're lucky to have this. Absolutely. So much good material. Um, what an heck of a book, man. This is uh, something we've been wanting to talk about for a while. I think it's probably pretty clear to everybody that just watched this, the reason why. And if by some chance you're not familiar with Kniff, you have no excuse now. Like, go out and study this man's work. Because we know you clicked the video with that uh, with that uh, lascivious title. <laughs> <laughs> Good to go? Yeah. Okay, Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July is rapidly approaching. We got about four weeks to go, man. And what that is, last Saturday, July, we're taking a bunch of our comics and we are dumping them into those free little lending libraries in our neighborhoods. You drive by uh, different streets and you see those things uh, pop popping up. Put some comics in there. We need to generate new comic book readership. And you know, the people that visit those things probably read. Uh, so that's our effort to increase comic book readership. Uh, we have a Patreon here at uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe, and uh, the King Kayfabers are watching us stream these videos as we record them, and they're getting all of the final videos delivered to them uh, before anybody else completely mitigates the Kayfabe effect. Um, videos are brought to you by the books that we make. And uh, coming up, man, Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is going to come out in October. This is my collection of the four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree plus 140 pages of additional stuff that is not in those four volumes. You're going to need this, man. This is the ultimate statement. Uh, it's coming out in October. Gives you plenty of time to get an extra copy for that hip hop fan in, in uh, your life. They might know the records, but they might not know the comic, and this is made for them. X-Men Grand Design Trilogy is another holiday effort that is coming out. Uh, it is collecting my three X-Men Grand Design Treasury Editions, and some of that stuff is out of print. So it's your chance to get it all in one stop. And, and Red Room Crypto Killers is the latest comic that is coming out. Uh, here's the cover for Red Room Crypto Killers number one. Uh, issue two should be out anytime now. And uh, I encourage you to grab Red Room Crypto Killers issue number three because that will be considered a hot key in the Ed Piscor bibliography. Um, the reason for that is that uh, there is a backup story in there. And those characters are going to be the main subject of this daily strip that I'm going to be working on for the foreseeable future. It's gonna have book collections and things, but their first appearance is Red Room Crypto Killers 3. Jimmy, what do you have? My latest book, True Crime Funny, self-published, just debuted last weekend at Heroes Con, and I have been getting a lot of messages asking how people can get this. Well, I am selling it on my website starting June 24th, Saturday. You can join me there, first come, first serve, and I am also doing a big summer sale there. So it won't just be True Crime Funnies, but a lot of the books that I've done over the last couple of years that I haven't had online for sale, such as Octobriana 1976. This is my Blacklight comic from a couple of years ago. Limited quantities of these still available. I'll be posting on my website as well, starting on Saturday, along with zines, things like this wrestling zine, collecting some of my wrestling artwork from over the last several years. Uh, Rambo 3.5 will be reprinted and available there. Some of my out of print books like Aphrodisiac, a little bit of everything, but limited quantities. So get there first uh, on Saturday, June 24th. And while supplies last, load up on the Jim Rug books that are missing from your collection. You can also join me on patreon.com slash Jim Rug where you can see my latest comics and art. 
Name a couple other ways that people can support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, Jimmy. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, mugs, stickers, fanny packs, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All great ways to support the channel. Given those marching orders, Jimmy, we'll be on our way. Make more comics.